1: Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Woo-hoo! Welcome to today's
2: show. Today we have a powerful show for you, and you will be blessed by Pastor Brian Worth uh, as we get into this show today. I want you to stick around for the latter part of the show because it's the message. But without further ado, Pastor Brian, thank you so much for being here today. And if you can tell our audience a little bit about yourself.
3: Hey, Pastor Adam, thanks for inviting me to your show. I'm super pumped to be talking to you today. Well, in a a nutshell, I grew up in Los Angeles And I got caught up in the gang violence of the late 80s and the early 90s. My oldest brother was shot and killed at the age of 15 years old. Uh, I joined the neighborhood gang around 12 years old. And by the time I was 14 years old, rival gang members tried to kill me. But by God's grace, I only got shot one time or hit one time with a bullet in my left arm. But it made me very, very rebellious. And I started... Rebelling and hitting the streets And then regretfully at the age of 16 years old I was uh, arrested for a gang related murder And sentenced to life in prison And I was thrown into hopelessness and despair But then one day someone shared with me The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, Adam Someone shared with me about Jesus Mm -hmm. And around the age of 17, 18 years old I surrendered my life to the Lord I just started started walking with the Lord, started serving the Lord in prison, just one day at a time. And I later learned that the Bible says if you draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. And the more I walked closer to God, the more he drew closer to me. And 16 years later, when everybody said I would die in prison or people said I would never go home, God miraculously set me free after 16 years in prison in the year 2008. So that was kind of a snapshot of my early years. You know, you know, Pastor
2: Brian, that's a powerful, you know, I know you have an amazing testimony, even within inside of the prison system. And what I love about you is that you've been steady and, you know, we have a very large population that are listening from Donovan state prison. Now we're getting letters from there and there's a lot of people Uh. that are listening. So Tell me how you were able to survive 16 years because you also have an amazing testimony even inside the prison walls and everything you did tell me a little bit about that experience pastor brian
3: well you know i'm i'm amazed adam i'm gonna be uh celebrating my 15th year of freedom from prison in july 1st Mm -hmm. and when i look back at the 16 years in prison people often ask me like how did you survive how did you you know, stay in your right mind? How did you not like die or, and most importantly, how did you serve the Lord? I served the Lord for about 15 years of those 16 years. And as I look back, there's different, there's a, several answers to that question, but I'll just say that number one, I was serious with the Lord. I wasn't playing no games. I, w- I was serious with the Lord, man. The Lord touched my heart. I wanted to serve God. And then the other component was, it was a day at a time, sometimes uh, an hour at a time, sometimes a minute at a time, just making a decision to serve the Lord every moment that that hit me. And as I made that decision to serve the Lord in that moment to moment experience, God will strengthen me and help me to get up the next day. And then I would also say, Adam, is the Lord gave me a vision And he basically said, Brian, if you serve me and don't give up, eventually I'm going to bust you free from this life sentence to impact the world with the gospel. Come on, brother. So so I had this vision that I actually wrote down that, you know, one day God is going to set me free. One day I'm going to be a husband. One day I'm going to be a father. One day I'm going to impact the world with the gospel. And I started by faith, Adam, to prepare for that vision just by faith, reading my Bible, educating myself. Hanging around the right people is very important in prison because there's so much negativity and gloominess. You've got to be able to connect with the right people, encourage one another. And I believe that just pursuing that vision by faith helped me to keep sharp, helped me to keep alert. And by the time I was ready to go home, I was ahead of the game.
2: Woo, that is powerful. You know, anybody and everybody who knows you know that you serve God wholeheartedly. Heartedly, and you did some big big things for the Lord. So here's another amazing thing: you wrote a book. Um, tell us a little bit about that book, because whoever is listening, whether you're, whether they're in prison, because there are a lot of people that are listening from prison, but we have a, a very large audience now. Tell us what inspired you to write this book, and a little bit about the book, and what that meant for you.
3: Yeah, so when I was in prison, I actually wrote my book while I was in prison, at least the first draft. I actually typed it out, Adam, in the chapel, and I, and I made copies of it, and I produced about 100 copies. And I remember doing a book signing in the chapel. <laughs> That's awesome. Days, and everybody was lined up. And it was basically an autobiography of my experience. It's called Young Man Arise. Fresh Hope Emerging from the Darkness. Since I've been out of prison, I had it professionally written and I released it. You know, it's on Amazon or Google. But my purpose was, Adam, to give fresh hope. And it was to show that you could be thrown in utter darkness and still come out on top by the grace of God. That the world and the devil can throw his biggest weapon at you and that the grace of God can still sustain you. And so, you know Adam, I'm a I'm a history buff, all them years in a cell reading about history, reading about what God done in the past. Amen. But but I want to be I want to be where God is working now, right? I want to hear what God is doing now. Amen. And I I like to believe that my story of utter like amazing redemption and restoration from hopelessness is one of the modern day stories of God's miraculous power being released in this earth. And that if God restored my life, if God kept my hope, gave me fresh hope and miraculously set me free uh, by the name of Jesus, he could set anybody free. So my story written in Young Man Arise will give fresh hope to anyone going through any problem and help you to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is powerful, Pastor Brian. So you said anybody who wants to get a hold of this book, all they have to go to is where? Well, it's called Young Man Arise, and my name is Brian Warth. You type that in, you can get it on Amazon Bookstore, any online bookstore, Google, Google. Uh, Barnes and Nobles. You just type it in online and go to a major distributor online and you can get that book, young man arise by Brian Ward.
2: That's amazing. You know, that's, I know that that book is a powerful book and I know that every listener today should get that book because it is life changing and it'll help someone definitely go through the storm. Now, here's another question for you, pastor Brian, uh, you were a pastor inside a prison. Uh, you get home, you rewrite this book. It's, it's out there. Anyone can get it. But you are doing something amazing for the kingdom of God. You are now a pastor of a church um, that at one point was the fastest growing church in Southern California. Tell us a little bit about your church, where it's located, its name, and, and what you're doing there.
3: Yes, Adam. You know, the Lord told me while I was in prison, if you serve me, I'm going to bust you out of prison eventually to impact the world with the gospel. So we believe that God is fulfilling his word in my life and my wife Laura's life as a team right now. And in 2012, we launched our church called of Change Christian Fellowship. And our mission is to give fresh hope to the world. Uh, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's been an amazing ride, Pastor Adam, because since the first day, we have seen people surrendering their lives to the Lord. Uh, We have seen people rededicate their lives to the Lord. We have seen people uh, grow in the Lord. We've seen people be delivered from various you know, darknesses that the devil try to wrap them around with. And so we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary of our church. And in the last 10 years, thousands of people through Chapel of Change have surrendered their life to the Lord. God is using our church to actually impact the world uh, with the gospel. I think of one sister by the name of Marianne Garcia. When she was first part of our church at the beginning of it, in fact, right before we launched our church, her daughter was murdered in the streets of Los Angeles County. Wow. And of, and of course she was distraught and she was broken, but the Lord gripped her heart at Chapel of Change, and through the last 10 years uh, by the gospel of Jesus Christ, Marianne's heart has has been go- undergoing healing. She is a leader now in our church. She serves on the board of our church. And God is using her story for his glory. And Adam, I'm just so grateful to be used by God, you know. And these days, God is raising up men and women to be a testimony of his grace. And we're just one testimony of the power of God in our generation.
2: Amen. Hey, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas. And I am currently having an amazing man of God, a powerful man of God, who is a pastor now, who served time in prison, who's now impacting the world for Jesus. Pastor Brian, tell us a little bit about how you're impacting the world, not just your surrounding county, because, I mean, I know you're friends with the mayor and some of your local politicians, police officers. I mean, you have them come and visit your church. But outside of your city, Tell us a little bit or tell our audience
3: what you're doing. Well, let me say this. If I could, if I may, I want to digress a little bit, Pastor Adam, because Please. I remember when I was in prison serving the Lord and I was on fire for the Lord, Adam. And there was times where I was by myself. There was times where there wasn't, wasn't a lot of Christian brothers. And I remember asking, where are the Christian brothers at? Where are the Christian brothers at? And I'll never forget, uh, Pastor Adam, somebody told me. There's a brother, Adam Rojas <laughs> in, another, in another prison and he's serving the Lord and he's sold out for Jesus. And I'll never forget that Adam because that gave encouragement to my heart. And I like to believe that I'm serving the Lord today in part, you know, out of the inspiration that I got from your testimony, my brother. <laughs> I, just really wanna, powerful. I just wanna praise God for that. Thank but you getting for back, that shout out. Getting back to your question, our church is impacting the world through various means. But what, I, what I'm celebrating at this particular time is we have adopted the nation of Guatemala. Wow. And we are in the beginning stages of sending teens into Guatemala helping churches to be launched in Guatemala, raising up disciples in Guatemala. In fact, we currently have about maybe 14 sister churches in Guatemala. Wow. And uh, I've been in Guatemala, I think about three or four times now. But our church is committed to that nation and to advancing the kingdom of God there through a long period of time. In fact, a couple months ago, I just came back from Guatemala and we went to the city dump in the city of Guatemala, Guatemala City, they have the one of the largest city dumps. Um, thousands of people live off the trash in this particular area. Little kids living off the trash in this area. And we got to minister fresh hope in conjunction with one of the ministries that we're in partnership with, Cornerstone of Hope. We're partnering with them and we're just doing our best to impact the nation of Guatemala with the fresh hope of the gospel, Adam. That is powerful.
2: You've also traveled outside of America to a, to another
3: country. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, again, the Lord is fulfilling his prophetic word over my life to impact the world. I remember when I first got out of prison, Adam, they told me I would be on parole for life. They actually wrote it on paper. Wow. And I said how am I I said to myself how am I going to be on parole for life if God said I'm called to impact the world with the gospel Amen be, because back then I had a 50 mile radius I couldn't go outside 50 miles from Los Angeles but wow. praise be to God 5 years later he miraculously set me free from that parole restrictions right and since then the Lord has sent me to the nation of Vietnam I got to minister at a first conference for religion in Vietnam and the Communist Party over there wanted to know what would happen if Vietnam opened up its nation for christianity to be free in that nation and and praise be to god i i was one of the speakers to let them know that hey the gospel can help a society not only does it transform individual souls but it helps a society flourish amen And, and so i was able to share that and then also i just got back from the nation of the philippines And got to minister and train pastors in the Philippines, and so I'm just riding this wave of open doors. Next year, I'm going to the nation of Samoa, and we're going to go to we're going to give fresh hope in the island Samoa, uh, Pastor Adam. Come
2: on, brother! Wow, that is powerful. You know, I, I have a lot of good Samoan friends. One of those, you know, ended up taking his own life. He was a little old, a little younger than me, but his older brother was my friend, and that. That was Junior Seao, and I'm, you know, we ended up having his memorial service at our church. You know, I'm honored. I'm just honored to to be able to hear you say that, and and to for that to come out of you. But you know, you're impacting the world, and you're impacting your community. And I know it started with your community first. You've now launched a bunch of churches. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how you were inspired to do that, Pastor Brian?
3: Yeah, Adam. So our church is committed to being a river church, meaning we receive and we give. Amen. We receive and we give. We are not, uh, you know, we're not committed to be a lake church. We're not trying to. Uh, see how many people we can gather around one person. Amen. We be, we believe that the kingdom of God is best advanced through the planting of gospel centered, spirit filled, Bible teaching, world impacting churches. So we have a vision to launch a thousand churches over a lifetime because we believe that's the best way to reach a new community. Amen. When you launch when you launch a church, you get a fresh individual who's preaching the gospel. You get children's ministry, who's raising up kids. You get youth ministry, who's touching the youth. It's like one stop shop. Adam it's like, you reach the entire kind of uh, community. And so with that, we're dedicated to planning churches. We're dedicated to raising up church planters who will give their lives for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And we have helped, Or we have planted or helped to plant in the last ten years. I would say about four to five churches already we have planted or helped to plant. Amen. There's a lot. There's a lot of tension in that, uh, Adam, because it's almost you have to. It's like giving birth. You lose a lot of strength when you plant a church. You lose. You you're giving away finances when you plant a church. You're giving away volunteers when you plant a church. But guess what? It keeps you on your knees praying to God, Lord help us. Lord, we need to reach more souls, right? It keeps you fresh to say, man, we need to fill up the church again and right. reach more souls and make more disciples. And so I encourage churches everywhere, plant a church, give away your people for the advancement of the kingdom of God.
2: That's powerful. That is powerful. Thank you. Now, you know, <laughs> you're an outstanding man, uh, a man of God. And, and I, you know, whenever I I look at you, whenever I think of you, I think of a man that is just a man after God's own heart. But what I also love about you is you've brought your wife along. I mean, even though she's the one that supported you and was there for you, you've now— uh, you, uh, Brought her together in a way where you both minister. Tell us a little bit about that, and how does what is our what are are thy dynamics behind that, Pastor Brian?
3: Well, I'm so grateful for my wife, Laura Worth. Uh, we've been together since probably the age of about 12 or 13 years old. She's a miracle in and of herself, Adam, and she supported me all throughout my prison. 16 years in prison, and she's just been a partner, right? She's a partner in the gospel. And together we launched the church. And in the process of this, Adam, the Lord has given her a burden to teach God's people how to pray. She just has a burden to lead people into a life of prayer and she serves on our national team, a uh, prayer team. Uh, she consults with our local conference uh, about prayer. And we just finished uh, the school of prayer at our church where approximately maybe 80 to 100 people attended the school of prayer. Amen. So my wife, Laura, she homeschools our, our kids, but she also is a leader within our church, uh, teaching God's people to pray. And she's just an inspiration, an all-around inspiration, Adam. I thank God for her. Praise the Lord. How many children do you have, Pastor Brian? We got three kids. We Woo-hoo! have my my son just went into high school. He's what? High, well, in a couple months, he'll go into ninth grade. Oh my goodness! And I have a daughter, a twelve-year-old daughter, and a nine-year-old daughter. They love the Lord. They've been homeschooled since they were little. And uh, I'm just so excited about how God is going to use them in the future. Very important. I would encourage parents: don't allow the public schools to put no foundation in your kids' Amen. heart. You gotta, you gotta intentionally uh, build a spiritual foundation in your kids' heart. Amen,
2: Pastor Brian. That is powerful. Here, let me ask you a question. Um, you know, you're serving God. You've probably done most. Done so much, probably most and most pastors, you know, most pastors get comfortable with their churches and they don't really allow their cup to overflow. Uh, tell me what's, what's next for you, Pastor Brian? I mean, you've done everything. You've, you're all over, you're around the world now. You, you're phenomenal in your community. You love the Lord. You, um, you actually even go into the, uh, back into the, uh, the, the the system, the prison system, and you're dealing with children. I mean, I, I, I can't see anything. I will say you need to accomplish. Tell me what the future looks for you, Pastor Brian.
3: You know, Adam, that's a good question. And number one, I'm just so grateful to the Lord that he has worked in my life in a significant way. And I just want to say, Adam, is I want to know God more. That's what's on my heart. You know, I want to know God more. I want, I want, to, I want to fall in love with Jesus again. I want to draw closer to God. I, you know, the, the building, the church buildings, the church budgets and people around me, that's wonderful. That's awesome. But I want to draw closer to God. I want that. I want more of that fire I had when I was in a one man cell Amen. when it was just when it was just me and God and and you know him just inside of me burning burning. I want to burn more for Jesus. Adam, that's Go what on, I want brother. to do. I want to burn more for Jesus. That's what I want to do. That's on, that's on my horizon right there. And I feel that if I burn more for Jesus, then souls will be saved, disciples will be made, and we'll continue to impact the world. But I want to burn more for Jesus. That's it, Adam. That's it. I love it. You know, we have a few minutes. Uh,
2: man, thank you for being on the show. You are amazing. You never cease to amaze me in in how you've allowed God to work in your life. You know, most people just talk about what they want to do and never actually put it into practice, never really take that step of faith. How and what would you say right now to those listening, to those that are incarcerated, to we have pastors, we have police officers that are listening. We have a a large following. uh, um, We have at least 10,000 people that listen to clips of the show that we put out uh, on all the social media things. Give us a word of encouragement, Pastor Brian.
3: Well, I would encourage people that we're living in dark and discouraging days, and it's going to get worse. And it's only hope in Jesus Christ that is going to get us through these days. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that is going to get us through these days in our right mind, with our families intact, making significance out of our life. I really encourage people to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Live for the Lord. Don't live for this world. This world is a bust. This world is going to break our heart. And it's only living for the Lord Jesus Christ will we find significance in this world today, but also eternal life. Don't forget about that eternal life, man, because Come on. The, devil, the devil will have us, we get caught up in the here and now, and and thank God for all the blessings and the benefits. Thank God for the money, the cars, the homes. But hey, do not forget about eternal life, because eternity is eternity. And the only way you're going to have peace with God in eternity is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I encourage people, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Live for the Lord. Only what you do for the Lord is going to last and have significance. And I'm telling you, you do that, you will experience the abundant life here and in the life to come. Wow, Pastor Brian, that's awesome. Hey, we
2: have about a minute left. Tell us how people could come see you at the church. Tell us a number they can call, a website. Give us information because there are people that are eager now to get to know you, to come visit. Tell us, Pastor Brian, how we can come visit you right now,
3: please. Well, again, my name is Brian Worth. I'm the pastor of Chapel of Change Christian Fellowship in Los Angeles County, Long Beach. Go to www.chapelofchange.org or you can go to brianworth.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Brian Worth TV. Have my latest messages there. Sign up on my email list at our webpage, brianwarf.com, and also uh, online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let's get connected. Let's give out fresh hope. Woo! I love
2: you, Pastor Brian. Thank you. Don't leave us. We will be right back, audience. We love you, and God bless you in Jesus' name.
1: org.
0: Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through seventh grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the crossoceanside.com
2: Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. You just heard an incredible, awesome man of God, Pastor Brian. Please look him up, get his book, and what a man. But listen... Pastor Brian, all he did, and all you need to do is draw near to God, and he will draw near to, to you, just like he said. That is total scripture. And now, as we continue our journey in the book of Zechariah, we will see how God is dealing with these people. They are they have now been back in their land about 20 years. Um And the temple is about halfway completed. And Zechariah is encouraging these people because without a word of encouragement, without the word of God in our lives or something to look forward to, we begin to die inside and we become lackadaisical in whatever we're doing. But here we go. We are picking it up in Zechariah chapter 6 and 7. Today, here is the word of the Lord for you and for me. And I turned and I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there came four chariots from heaven, two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of brass. Now, uh, this is an incredible scene. It seems like, and the most reasonable question here. Or the answer to what Zachariah is now looking at is in the the millennial period. And we'll see why. But as he sees these two mountains of brass at the time, it was something easy for him to connect and to be able to realize. Now, these two mountains at the time that he's probably looking and he probably could relate to were probably the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Zion, and as you look at its formation, and and they appear to be brass, brass associates the mountains, and and brass always looks at, uh, at its meaning. It's usually strength and judgment. But when I look at this scripture now, as I see this last of the visions that he's having, I see that God is doing something powerful. He's giving them something that he can relate to, something that he can recognize because he's speaking to the people. He's pumping them up, trying to get them to continue the work. And as we read, it says this in the first chariot with red horses in the second chariot, black horses. And in the third chariot, white horses and in the fourth chariot, grizzled bay Horses. Now, it's interesting as we look at this and and we look at what is taking place. Now, the horsemen of Zechariah chapter one, when we read, are seem to be a little bit different than these because those horsemen at the beginning in chapter one were more of observers on the reconnaissance of what was taking place. These four chariots and the horses seem to be hostile agents of the Lord and bringing judgment about. It seems like there are emissaries of his war against the earth. But uh, let's let the word speak for itself. Let's continue to read and to dive into it. Now, some have identified these, these chariots, these angels with these chariots as the four empires uh, that were that Daniel spoke about in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. but that doesn't seem to be the case because he's using colors here. And these colors seem to match up some of the horses in revelation. You know, I've read some expositories. Some people believe that that the chariots was a way of showing how quickly and how fast, Things were being dispersed by these angels, their judgment and the word that were given out. Some commentators believe that if he was writing out, he would use jets or planes or helicopters. It, it, I think we need to look at the word for what it is saying and, and what it is speaking about. But as we look at it, as we look, like in Revelation 6, the emissaries of God's judgment in Revelation chapter 6, um, somehow connected these with the angelic messengers um, in in Revelation as well, in Revelation 7, to 1 to 3. And, and then we see that, that Zacharias says, Then I answered and said unto the angel that talked with me, What are these, my Lord? I, I don't get it, God. What What is this picture? What is this vision that you are given me. Let me understand it, O God. And the angel answered and said unto me, these are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of the whole earth. I love it. In Psalms 104, uh, verse 4, we understand what these spirits are, and it gives us an indication of what's taking place. Psalms 104, verse 4, says this, Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. So he's he's looking at angels. He's looking at angels. Again, let me read what Psalms 104 says. Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers of flaming fire. And again, in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 1, we see the same thing that are angels are ministering spirits. So here we see the connection. These are the four spirits of the heavens, which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. The black horses, which are therein, go forth into the north country. Now, it's important for us when when we uh, look at this, that these countries that are in the north were uh, Magog and Gog, which is modern day uh, Russia and no doubt Turkey, and in that area. And as he says this, he says the black horses, which are therein, go forth into the north County and the white go forth after them, and the grizzle go forth toward the south country. Now, in Ezekiel four twenty one, it gives us a picture of what these horses most likely represented. Ezekiel four. 1421 says this, For thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my four sword judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword, the famine, the noisome beast, and the pestilence. It makes a lot of sense. When we look at Revelations chapter 6, it says this in verse 8, And I looked and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sought on him was death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over part over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. So we see the representation of what's taking place, sword famine, noisome beast and pestilence. And that's what these horses seem to be going out to do. And the bay went forth and sought to go that they might walk to and fro through the earth. And he said, get you hence Walk to and go through the earth. So they walked to and fro throughout the whole earth. So we see that they were taking care of business, that they were walking to and fro, that they were looking out for God, that they were basically the eyes of God, that they were carrying out instructions from God. Verse 8 says this Then cried he upon me and spoke unto me, saying, Behold, These that go toward the north country. Remember, I I believe it could have been Russia, Babylon, Turkey, because these are the north countries. And it says this, and he cried, verse 8 says, and he cried, he upon me and spoke unto me, saying, behold, these that go toward the north country have quieted my spirit in the north country. Now, we know that the spirit of God And God himself is never satisfied until he brings judgment upon the enemies of the people of Israel. Somehow, God in his sovereignty has always had a love for the Jewish people. And the line simply went from Adam and Eve to Zeth Eventually, to if you remember, Enoch went God and was taken, and then Noah uh, and his sons that survived the great flood, and then God used Ze- God used one of his sons, Shem, and the line continue out of Shem. Line came Abraham, and what's really amazing when you look at all of this big picture is that God. Somehow in his sovereignty has always looked out after the Jewish people. The the chosen son from Abraham was Isaac. The chosen son from Isaac was Jacob. And then the chosen tribe where the Messiah came was Judah. God knows what he is doing. But don't feel bad if you're not Jewish today. Because God has called the Gentile. God has called you and I for those that are not Jewish, and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, "Take of them of the captivity, even of Hildai of Tobijah and of Jediah, which come from Babylon, and come thou the same day and go into the house of Ajiah the son of Josiah the son of Zephaniah." Now, what's really amazing when you look at the meanings of these names: Hildai means robust, Tobijah means God's goodness. And Jodiah means God knows. I don't know if you've ever heard of this amazing man of God, uh, Pastor McGee. He was a man after God's own heart, was on the radio, was just an amazing man of God. He sees the intention that God knows that through his goodness, he will put his king on the throne and he will do it in a robust manner. That's Vernon McGee. That's a word that came from him. And then, as we continue to read this, these are the people that 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 came after the first wave and came afterwards, and they brought gifts. They brought some of the gold, some of their stuff, and they left Babylon and they came back. Remember, they believe that it was a half a million to a million Jews that didn't come back to their land. Only fifty thousand came back in one, two, and three waves back from. Babylon, which was now being run by the Persian country, when God used Cyrus, who he mentioned 150 years before he was even born, to release his people back into Jerusalem. But they didn't all come back. Then take silver and gold and make crowns and set them upon the head of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. Now, this is an interesting thing to look at because when you see this they are putting a crown on Joshua the priest of that day we see that a king and a priest were two different different offices we see in second chronicles 26 um where it tells us the tragic the tragic story of king Uzziah who tried to function as a priest the lord god's struck him with leprosy into the end of his life. Now, that doesn't happen. We're seeing something phenomenal taking place here. We are seeing something in the future. We are seeing that one day there will be a king priest. And that was forbidden in Jewish law when Moses gave the law. Yet here we see the crown that's put on Joshua Joshua means savior. He was a priest of the day. And some commentators believe there's an error here that that crown should have went on Zerubbabel, who was the governor at the time. But when you look into the future, we can see that God was looking ahead and saying one day, the priesthood and the kingship will belong to one man. And 12 speaks it out clearly. And he speaks, and speak unto him, speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, powerful, powerful, look what it says. And he shall grow up out of this place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. That is powerful. You know, we've already seen that this branch in Zechariah 3 8 was no doubt the Messiah, no doubt. Jesus, which was still to be born about four hundred and fifty years later, and it was a familiar title for for Messiah for Jesus. We can see that in Isaiah four two, where it was when it was used by Isaiah for the first time, and Isaiah was seven hundred years before Jesus shows up in Isaiah four two. And then in 11, one as well, then we see Jeremiah repeat the same thing in Jeremiah 23.5, which points to the branch in Jeremiah 33.15 as well. Now, the branch is always associ- associated, even in, in the norm, with fruitfulness, with the fruitfulness of life. When you grow trees, you know that it's the branch that produce fruit. Now, Jesus used the same image, the same imagery when he said this in John 15, 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. That is powerful. Speaking about Jesus right now, the branch, the one who would be priest and king. You know, he's given the people hope. They didn't know that it was still 450 years later. It it could have happened in their lifetime. It didn't happen in their lifetime. But what we know is that without hope, without a future, the people perish. Even he shall build a temple of the Lord. What temple of the Lord did he build? Let's continue to see he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule upon his throne and he shall be a priest upon his throne he shall be priest and king on his throne and the council of the peace shall be between them both he's going to do both offices in one man what a beautiful picture when we look in the new testament we can look at ephesians 2 19 through 22 and see that 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 temple that he's building is you and I. And also in 1 Peter 2.5. And then the crown should be to Helam and Tobijah and Jediah and to hand the son of Zephaniah for a memorial in the temple of the Lord. And they that are afar off come and build in the temple of the Lord and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you and this shall come to pass if you will diligently diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God see you can prosper you can be part of this temple when you draw near to God because he promises to draw near to you that is the word of God that's what he wants. To do for you. He wants to be your God, your priest, your king. And that can only happen when you draw near to him and he draws even closer to you. As we go into chapter seven, I'm gonna go through it quickly. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius that the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, even in Shizlu. And that's really interesting when you look at that because this was a time of them fasting and they would really fast for their past sins, and that's really not uh, an applicable or a pleasing fast to the Lord. But let's continue. And when they had sent on to the house of God, Sherezer and Reg Melech, and they're meant to pray before the Lord and to speak on to the priests which were in the house. Of the Lord of hosts and to the prophet saying. Should I weep in the fifth month separating myself as I have done these so many years. <clears throat> so for 70 years. 70. <clears throat> excuse me. 70 years. They had come up with their own fasting. Their own fasting. This this date now that, that is being given, being given to us is December 4th, 518 <clears throat> B.C. A delegation came to Jerusalem with a question about fasting. It was at this point that the temple was halfway built. They were fasting for the temple to be built. They were fasting to be released. And it's a viable question. Should we continue to fast? You know, one of the things that they did at the time is they had added more fast. Because the only commandment to fast from the Lord was in Leviticus sixteen, twenty nine to thirty-four. During the exile of the Jewish people, they added more exile. They added more fasting. You can look at, at chapter fifty eight of Isaiah and see what it is what in what is an acceptable fast unto the Lord. Verse four says this. And they came to the Lord the came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests saying, When you fasted more in the in the fifth and seventh month, even these seventy years, did you do the fast unto me? Even to this? Were you fasting for me, or were you just fasting on your own? Were you trying to make yourself feel better? It wasn't really an acceptable fast unto the Lord. The only one that had ever That God had already given to them was Leviticus 16, 29, 34. It was the day of atonement. And when you did eat and when you did drink, and did ye not eat for yourselves and drink for yourself, you did it all for yourselves. You weren't doing it all. To me, it wasn't an acceptable fast. Should you not hear the words which the Lord had cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity in the cities thereof round about her, when men inhabited the south and the plain sea, they, they... actually went up all the way up into the Red Sea from Jerusalem to the Red Sea and they had cities and they were prospering when they were obeying God. But now they had instituted other things and they wanted to obey God how they wanted it. I usually have conversations with people that say, you can't tell me how to worship God. This is my relationship. I worship Him how I want to worship Him. You know that the Word of God tells you how to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Who's the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You worship God the way he instituted, not the way you want to do it, the way he instituted. That's acceptable to God. And the word of the Lord came out to Zachariah saying, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts saying, execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion. Every man to his brother, do it the right way love each other have compassion for each other and the and oppress not the widow nor the fatherless the stranger nor the poor and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart james says that true religion is is to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction and then it says in verse 11 but they refused to hearken they refused to listen and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they would not hear hear listen God loves you. Yeah, they made their hearts as adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in this spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath upon the Lord of hosts. Therefore it is come to pass that as he cried, they would not hear. So they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. He would not hear. But I scattered them with the world when among the nations whom they knew not, thus the lamb was desolate after them that no man passed through nor returned for they laid pleasant land desolate. We need to worship God in spirit and in truth, not the way you want to read the Bible, read God's word. It tells you how to worship. That's the message. I love you guys. Wife, will you close us in prayer?
1: Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you, Father. Thank you for your truth that's found in your word that you've given us, Father. I pray that today, Father, that you would be glorified in this message and, and that it would reach and touch so many to just coming back to you, Father God. Come back to their first love and continue just to keep our eyes focused on you. So, Father, we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.
2: Amen. Listen, guys, from, from 7, 8 to 14, it's a command to Repent. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. Thank you for listening. We love you. And visit us anytime you want it at the Cross in Oceanside. God bless you. Reach us at freedom at adamriojas.com. God bless you. But more than this, know that God loves you in Jesus' name. Thank you. We'll see you next Sunday at 5 p.m.
1: Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamRiojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. you
0: Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through seventh grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023.